I had a couple that was evicted from their apartment and I baked four pizzas for them and the handwritten notes that they gave me just to express like you made this you made this week so much better for us by giving us one night where we didn't have to like be stressed out. What's happening? What's good, though? It's your boy, Idriff. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, in case you're wondering. Today, we have an amazing episode with Miriam from The Zaw Report. Miriam has a different pizza business than most of us aspire to have. It's actually really cool in a sense, uh, but totally unconventional. She gives away pizzas for free. Now, I know what you're thinking. What the heck is that? How do you make money? Well, actually, not only is she making money, uh, but it's proving to be more beneficial uh, because of the opportunities that it has presented her. Like, seriously, not only is she learning the game by making pizzas in her house, serving it up, you know, fine-tuning what she loves about her pizza to be able to scale up, but she's also getting amazing other connections, real-life connections and networks, and she was just featured on Munchies. Yes, this amazing human has gone viral, and rightfully so, and I can't wait to share this episode with you all and I hope it inspires you all to give more and help others around you. This is a great episode, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember to always ask, what's good, Doe? All right, just a friendly reminder, please make sure to say what's up to me on Instagram. It's the best way for me to connect with you all so that I can find out a couple things. One, I want to know what you like about the show so that I can keep doing it. And two, I want to hear what you would like to see improved about the show so that I can continue to improve the way these interviews go. I want to make a show that is for you. So please add me on IG, drop me a comment. Also, if you want to support the podcast, one way you could do it for free is by leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts. Greatly appreciate the love there so that we can get this pizza podcast to all the pizza-loving peeps in the world. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Miriam, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? Uh, Good, good. It's nice to meet you. It's a beautiful day here in New York where we got our first snow. The humidity is going to be great for my pizza tonight. Best time of the year then. It's nice to meet you too, by the way. (laughs) First question for you. There's no right or wrong answer. What's good dough? Uh, lots of it. Lots and lots of dough. So that all you see is dough for all the eye can see. <laughs> uh, what is good dough? <laughs> I mean, that's the answer my dad would give. Uh, but to me, what is good dough? I think uh, good dough is, is basically the flour, salt, yeast, and water that you mix with lots of love. You age it and you turn it into a pizza that's going to make someone smile cheek to cheek all night long. Oh, beautiful. I love that. I love the cheek to cheek part because a regular smile isn't good enough. It has to be cheek to cheek. Yeah. (laughs) 
I'm sure you get that a lot. And we're going to talk about how you make people smile. But first, I want to talk a little bit about your background. How did you get started in this crazy, wonderful world of pizza? Oh, so the joke goes that my mom was in labor for so long that my dad and the doctor went out and got pizza. And so that when I was born, I literally popped into a pan pizza, which sorry, New York, I know that they, they were actually eating pizza at the time, but everything is about to change as we go through my life story. But um, so I've always loved pizza. I grew up in Ohio, in Dayton, Ohio. And then when I moved to New York, uh, it was strange. Everyone kept asking me where to get good pizza. And I'm like, you do know I'm from Ohio, not New York. Um, but uh, after, I want to say about eight years ago, I met Scott Weiner just by chance. Um, well, nine years ago, I won this, this race called the New York City Pizza Run. And there were tickets for a pizza tour, which I didn't even know existed. I'm like, whoa, this is a real thing. Um, but uh, so... I started working with him about eight years ago. I was a freelance art director. So I had more time to take on some quote unquote fun paid hobbies, which was pizza. But when I first met Scott and it's funny, our first meeting was over meatballs and, uh, and cheese pizza at John's on bleaker and talk about iconic meeting. Um, but it was about the change of the rest of my life. And Scott was like, you don't know a lot about pizza, but you know what good pizza is. And I think you're going to be great for this. Um, so he took me under his wings, or I should say, he took me under his pizza boxes um, and took me out and, and pretty much taught me a lot of what I needed for a foundation. And then I was just extremely passionate about it. And I proceeded to read a lot, eat at a lot of pizzerias, ask so many questions. And uh, after eight years, you know, when COVID hit, that's when I, you know, unfortunately, those of us that were doing tours from had to stop, but I've been doing a pizza tour every single Friday for the most part for those eight years. And then I also was working a lot of his corporate events in the evenings. Um, but and then my big leap into uh, the pizza box, I'll say, was when I decided at the end of 2019, after doing some pop ups for friends out of my apartment, just to help with being sad from a breakup, as that you know, I was like, well, maybe I should get more into pizza. Let me go around and see if I can get like a, another part-time pizza job. Um, and I asked around to several pizzerias and Polly G was the first one to say, when can you start? And after my first night there, I literally felt like I was just in this magical unicorn place of baking pizza. It made me so happy. And I'm like, this is where I should be. So I decided that I wanted to just spend the next couple of years working with and working in some pizzerias that represented the pizzas I love, but I wanted to learn their craft and their skill set um, to get better understanding so that if I wanted to open a pizzeria someday, I'd be able to, if I wanted to just do private events and teach people about pizza, it would help me that much more. Wow. First of all, you are clever with the pizza puns, my girl. Thank you. <laughs> I love them. My dad has always told me I'm cheesy. <laughs> And that's another one. <laughs> that is that's genius. I love that one. You said randomly met Scott Weiner over meatballs and uh, Joe's. I had to apply for the job. So like my sister's like you're you're not great at cover letters. And mine literally started off as what I said to you is I was born on May nineteenth, nineteen eighty, into a pan of pizza. And so, of course, Scott would love that. He it was like, he was getting so many traditional ones. I gave him a cover letter that my sister's like, you're never going to get hired. And he's like, oh, you're hired. <laughs> so did you use that crafty, creative way of writing cover letters to allow yourself to get in the door of Polly G's and the other places that you've worked at? Um, 
Well, it, it was all about networking. I mean, because I've worked with Scott for so long, I've gone to the International Pizza Expo a couple of times. I go to a lot of events in New York City. I'm the official slice of Slice Out Hunger, which was the benefit in Scott's nonprofit organization each year. So I know a lot of these people. I knew, you know, Paulie is a friend. So, and he said to me, he's like, you know, I think you make a considerable amount more doing art directing. And I was like, yeah, but this isn't about money. This is about figuring out a way and a path and what I really love doing. And that was, you know, just becoming this pizza guru, so to speak. Um, and also he only had one other female pizza baker. So I think that he also saw that as an opportunity to bring more women into the pizzeria. And I, you know, this is not crazy, but I think that women make pizza differently than men. There's just a certain way that we do things. So he's got another pizzaiola, as we'll call her, named Danielle there. And she is one of the most phenomenal pizzaiolas I've ever worked with. And she and um, and his other pizzaiolo, Chris, both taught me how to do a lot of what I'm doing. But, you know, it's like it's like you're going up a roller coaster and you get to the very top. And this is what it's like putting getting the pizza onto the peel. And then you have to launch it into this oven that's a thousand degrees with fire and you're like i'm at the top all right we're gonna have to go back down and then just and you're like wow every pie i launch and then they're like put three more in there oh and while you're doing that rotate them make sure you don't set them on fire and pull them out and i just like whoa and it's so dark in there so it's like how do you even judge right if the leopard spots are where they should be or not so with the the ironic thing is, is that when i started baking at home I would do it in very dim lit, a dim lit setting because that's what I was used to. And I was like, my sister would be like, turn the lights. I was like, no, no, no. I need it to be dark because I can't tell if it's the color that I would normally do at Polly's. And I'm well aware that the Breville oven I use is electric and Polly's ovens using real wood. But still, let me just use my imagination as much as I can and go back to the job I was working at. That's that's funny. Recreate the environment so you feel comfortable and and you put out the best product possible. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned women make better pizza. Tell me more about why we need to shed light on on the women pizzaiolas out there. Well, I think like there's just such a sensitivity to how a female handles the pizza dough. I mean, so I've got one guy sitting there saying, all right, we're going to press it out and then we're going to slap it. And it looks like this whole circus and we're never going to pick it up because they don't do that in Opoly, but so you're going to slap it, slap it, slap it. And oh my God, like I was trying to do that. And I was like, no, this is not what I, and then Danielle comes in Danielle is like, just do it like this. And she's, you know, she's from Miami and she's stretching it like you would in New York style pizzeria, but it worked really well there. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to tap it out, flip it over, tap it out. And then I'm going to spin it like a DJ. And then I'm going to pick it up because apologies, everyone can see what you're doing. So I'm going to pick this up and I'm going to use my hands. And then when no one's looking, I'm going to toss it up. Just kidding. Never really tossed it there. <laughs> I do that at home. <coughs> um, but like, and you could just see some of the other pizzaiolas are like, oh my God, don't do that. They don't do that in Napoli. And I'm like, this is how I do it. I think my pizza comes out great. But like every pizza baker makes their pizza differently. So like one pizza maker, he's going to have a much thinner crust. And I like my crust with a little bit of fluff or life to it. So it's interesting how you can see each of the pizza bakers, different techniques and styles. But I just feel like there's a way that women handle the stretching and the topping. I mean, every pie, if you've ever watched my live stream, 
for me, every pie is like a new canvas. Like I want to make sure even if it's the sauce is the base, I'm going to do that perfect as I call it crop circle because I'm from Ohio. So I'm, you know, I'm going to take the little spoon of sauce. I'm going to move it out like a crop circle, beautiful circle. And I'm going to take the pecorino and I'm going to put it on like snow. And then I'm going to put the cheese down more of in a Jackson Pollock kind of style. But, you know, for me, every pizza is almost like a masterpiece. It's a piece of art. So, um, but I think that's one of the ways that women are different. And the other thing is, it's been, there's been, for such a long time, you haven't had women baking pizza. So in a way we're like, now we're up to the oven and we're going to do everything we can to make amazing pizza and not lose this opportunity. So I think that like you you have more women seeing that as an opportunity that you're not just in the front of the house seating people, or you're not just doing stuff in the back, but you're actually like head of the house, so to speak, when you're at the oven baking. And it's such an, a, a great skill set. But I think I wouldn't say that women are necessarily better, better. But I think that, um, I think that the way we stretch our dough is just so different than how the men handle it. And you could just have a, have a male and a female stretching dough side by side and you'll watch them. Guy is like really fast. Boom, 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 and the woman's like, mm, I'm going fast, but I'm making sure that every square inch of this piece of dough has my love. I like the point that you made about like women, you know, being set front and center and having all the eyes on them. It just means that they have more to more to lose if they if they flop right and so that takes this different mindset of i gotta put out the best pizza ever and i gotta keep up with my male counterpart so that i don't get dished on or forgotten um like it's been in the past right this is your time to shine and this opportunity can't be wasted yeah i want to ask you like what are some of the things that you've your key lessons learned working at these different spots like what what have you learned from working with poly g yeah um i think what you learn is because i've been in and out of so many pizzerias just doing the tours but what i learned about paulie's and it was a difference that i saw in his pizzeria versus the rest is that there was a sense of unity and family it's a pizzeria where the owners are respected and try to to keep their employees best interest at heart um, so it's, you don't see that in a lot of places. I think you find places where they'll hire people just to get a job done or somebody needed a job. So let's hire them quickly, but not pay them well. Um, but it, you know, apologies, you just see that the customers that come in and how happy they are. And then you have just the way that the whole staff is like when I, when I first joined, I felt like a part of that family. I was, of course, very nervous because I was like, oh, I'm a newbie girl here. Um, and for a while, a number of them didn't know that I was doing this as like kind of a side gig, but not really like my main job yeah. um, because I didn't want them to know. I wouldn't want them to know that at first. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's that the difference of, you know, his pizza versus the others is that there's just, there's a real strong sense of community and family. You have ownership there. Um, you know, when COVID hit, I was afraid to come back and bake, but I still go back and do his day prep, which is a totally different animal. And day prep is probably more important than the person baking the pizza, because if we don't do our job right, then, you know, the person baking, it's not going to have the ingredients they need. So yeah, it's like, I'll go in and I'm like, all right, it's my day to just ball up 200 balls of dough. They're going to be good in a couple of days. And so, you know, it's like, if you look in the, the documentary I did on munchies, you'll see like the precision and how I take my time rolling those balls out. And it's so different than what some of the other people do there. 
but you know, I, I think often people don't think about behind the scenes, what's going on in that pizzeria. And there's so many members of the team that make that pizza possible when it hits the table and for you to enjoy it the way that you do. Awesome. That, that's a lot of responsibility, right? You are responsible for getting something ready and that's, it's going to grow in two days and, and serve a whole bunch of 200 people. Yeah. And I think like having that prep responsibility gave me a new perspective on being the pizza baker because I under, understand the process so much more. So when I'm cutting the prosciutto, I know how I want that prosciutto to put be put on the pizza or when I'm prepping all the cheese. Oh, I understand when it's not done right, how much more difficult it is to be the pizza baker. So in a way I, it's, and he has a pizza bakers that are rotated into food prep. I don't know if it's intentional, but I think it's incredibly smart that you have people that have different roles. One thing you learned from Polly G is the family respect and the community aspect of things. And I love that. He had an issue with, I was like, it was across from his slice shop. Somebody was like, oh, your pizza boxes are all over the park. And you know what he did? He went out there and cleaned them up himself. And he's like, I am a part of this community. It's my responsibility to really be a respected member of this community. And I think that just sets a really good example for, you know, not just other people out there, but like, think about some of these other pizzerias, like we could all do a little bit better. So, and it just, you know, it really helped. And like, you know, when my mom was sick, Polly was constantly checking in on me to see how I was doing, how my mother was doing. And, you know, I don't think if I worked at some regular pizzeria that my boss would be checking in on me like that. And, you know, it just makes a difference. And for me, I said, I want to, I want to own and operate a pizzeria someday that has those values that, that really makes each employee feel like they belong and that they're part of the family. Is that where this kind of idea of giving stemmed from? Is it, was it from Polly G or do you associate that with anything else from your upbringing? Uh, my mom, my mom was, you know, a huge, huge per person in my, what I'm doing right now, which I think we'll talk about later is like paying pies forward. But my mom was the one who always instilled in me the notion of, you know, doing for others when you can, and just to be a good, to be good to people, because you never know what someone might be going through and how just smiling at somebody or just saying hello could change the whole trajectory for their day or their week or their, even their year. So it's just a reminder, you, you just never know what someone's going through. So you should walk down the street and be respectful and kind to people. I love that. Absolutely. Let's talk about what you're doing. You know, you, you do prep in the day for Poly G and then the rest of your day, it seems like you got a bunch of pizza boxes in the back. Yes. <laughs> you're making pizza from a certain amount of time. Tell, tell me, what are you doing? Uh, so when, when COVID hit, um, I lost both of my pizza jobs plus all of my design work and I was depressed and I was like, the only time I was leaving the apartment was once a week to get groceries, if that, and then to go for runs early in the morning. So, but I knew that the one thing that made me really happy was to bake pizza. And I wasn't doing that apologies anymore. So I, I put up a sign in the, the mail room in my building that said, if I'm, I've been sad and I really like to bake pizza for anybody who wants it. Here's the menu. It's free for anyone who lost their job or as a first responder or anyone who's just feeling sad like me. And before long, I was baking pizza for everyone in the building. And then somebody outside of the building was like, can I pay a pie forward? And so you can pay for your supplies. He's like, I know you're on unemployment. Well, at that point, I, I wasn't getting unemployment. 
I didn't, my unemployment didn't actually kick in until May on my birthday. Uh, so I had been, you know, going months without any income. And this was a way for me to try and make a little bit of money to pay my rent, but also, you know, I wanted to do something nice for others. And so one person was like, oh, I want to pay it forward. And then some other people outside of my building, they're like, can we come by and get your pizza? And before long, everything was revolving around this whole paying pies forward. And, you know, I slowly started posting the pies on Instagram and then I put a menu up, but I was nervous at first. I didn't want to. And my, my uh, running coach was like, you need to tell more people about this. And I was like, okay. Um, so then word of mouth, I, I fed a couple parents and families in this neighborhood and they started telling all the other parents. And before you knew it, like my pizzas were selling out a week in advance. I went from doing six pies a night to 16. Uh, then I started, then I taught myself how to make Sicilian pizza. And that has become like the most popular thing. But I think one of the greatest things that was born out of what I've been doing with the pizza out of my apartment is that one, first of all, a hundred percent of it is for donation. So I always tell people, here's a suggested donation so I can cover my cost of goods, but more it's like, whatever you can pay, you do. And people are like, you know, who charges $12 for a margarita pizza like this? And I'm like, I do. And I remind everyone when they pick up the pizza, this pizza has been, I've been, I've been working on and making this pizza for three days. So it's not like you went to Papa John's and got a piece of dough and they put it on a conveyor belt and poof, it popped out. But a lot goes into that. And those generally, when someone orders a pie, they'll send me a DM and say, can I get on the list for next time? So like right now I'm sold out through January. Um, and my Sicilian are almost sold out through the end of January, which is crazy. But, um, but yeah, it just became this huge thing where people were paying pies forward. And then I encouraged and inspired other people all around the globe to do the same thing. And there's a guy in Philadelphia who the bar stool guy just did a thing. He sends me messages like you are the inspiration. And I'm like, ah, that was like, it was so humbling. And I have someone else, some guy in Toronto is messaging me this morning. He's like, you know, I have a regular job, but I want to do what you're doing. I want to bake pizza to help people out. And that's the most rewarding thing of the pizza thing. I guess speakeasy, whatever you'd like to call it um, for my apartment. So I currently operate on two Breville ovens that were loaned to me from their PR company. And then I have two baking steels for my Sicilian. So people love and hate walking in and out of my building when I bake <laughs> during the week because they're like, it smells so good, but you're sold out for two weeks. How can we handle this? <laughs> that's a good problem to have right there. Yeah. <laughs> Pizza perfume all day living in it. That's cool. I, I thought they were going to complain about the heat. You got two Breville ovens and your main oven at home. Well, I'm, only, I'm operating one Breville the same. One Breville's on and, my, and I do all my Sicilian for the first round of pickups. That way I turn the oven off after like two hours and then the Breville goes for another hour and a half. So I open the window. My apartment is tiny. Like when Munchies came in here and filmed, they made it look big, but it's actually really tiny, which just makes it easy. Cause I'm like, Oh, I need some cheese. Let me reach over to the counter here. Okay. Oh wait, let me get the sauce. It's on this other counter. That's right here. The pizza's right in front of me. I'm just going to go over and just put it in the oven. So, you know, it's just, I could put roller skates on. It would be a really fun time. <laughs> I've always heard that real estate uh, is a problem for a lot of up and coming home cooks. And uh, it seems like you've made the best of it. What are you doing for like dough management and stuff? Uh, so because I have limited use or limited storage, I have to do a, a cold bulk ferment over a couple of days. And I have a, an actual industrial refrigerator that the owner of the building let me put in the basement. Um, that's in a, like a totally separate room that he hasn't rented to anybody. I'm like, this is great. So it's temperature controlled. Um, and then the dough proofs during the day in my regular refrigerator where it's a bit warmer. 
Um, I have industrial bins um, that are just like you would a restaurant six inches off the ground, sealed off um, to store all my flour. And then my cheese and my tomatoes all get um, shipped from a food distributor who I tag a shipment on a butcher shop across the street. So I get my ingredients every two weeks from there. But when I first started, I was walking around to pizzerias every Friday for a few hours, getting five boxes at a time. And like Stanislaw would drop off a case of tomatoes here and there. Uh, Scott Wiener gave me some cheese at one point. And then I would go to the key foods and wait for all the polio to go on sale or the Galbani. And I would stock up because there was an empty apartment um, in this building. And the owner let me use that apartment to store everything. So I literally had a whole other unit to store all my supplies uh, in a refrigerator. So it's like you open it like, wow, there must have been a really good sale. I'm like, it's low moisture cheese. We're good. It's not going to mold anytime soon. So Genius. Are you... Uh, paying the owner of the apartment rent or is, are they trading it off for free pizza? How did you? Oh, no, I, I pay rent for my own apartment, but that one, no, he was just being kind. He's like, you're doing a great thing by feeding everyone in the building. Like an elderly woman on the first floor, another family in the back. Most people in this building had lost their jobs. And, and then of course I bake pizza for him once a week. So, but, uh, but no, he's just a very kind person. And he's like, let me help you out however I can. P.S. If you wouldn't mind me being an investor when you open your pizzeria, I'd love that too. The fact that you have an established relationship, he's not just going to give up this opportunity when someone comes knocking on the door for a place to stay. It looks like your your stuff is going to be there until you're ready to move on to the next stage. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how many, you said you're doing about 16 pizzas a day and one Sicilian? Yeah, uh, no. So I do... For my regular pickups, which are Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, there's 16 round pies, two Sicilians per night. And then, and those are the baby butter MJs, which is this really tasty pizza that I invented. And it's got two, it's got the, uh, the square has two sides of crust. So it's a double-edged crust, kind of awesome. Um, but, uh, and then a regular Sicilian sheet I do on Saturdays. And that one I only sell, either you get the whole sheet or you get the half sheet. So I don't like to do solo squares without the ability to reheat properly. Um, and just because my pickups are scheduled 15 minutes apart, just because for COVID, I want to make sure I can do the contactless handoff and that they're able to get their pizza safely. They're not a crowd around their customers. But when I first started doing the Sicilian, I had people lined up and I'm like, okay, this isn't a good idea. And it's like, I didn't think it, I mean, like my Sicilian has come a long way since I first started doing this. Um, but I also do bakes on off days. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I bake for businesses and I bake pizza to take around to people to give away for free. Um, so I would say I'm looking at probably at least uh, 100 to 125 round pizzas per week. And then two, four, six, eight, uh, probably about 15 Sicilian pies a week. Wow. That's a lot. I want to ask you about like um, the split of donations and, and payment. But before that, why only what's the strategy behind doing a limited number of baby butter MJs? This is the pan. It's really tiny and unique. So right now my, because I have to bake these so quickly, I don't have the space to do a par bake and do a, but like par bake a stack full of them because the way that I, pre the way that I bake it in this pan, it's greased with butter Kerrygold butter specifically, because I love Kerrygold butter. But then the entire edge of this, this is one that's actually being dimpled out currently. So you can see 
yeah. Mm-hmm. Smells amazing. This is 20 hours in. So this is going into the oven at three 30. Um, but what it is, is that there's also cheddar cheese along the entire rim of that pie. So after I bake that, I have to soak the pan in order to get everything off of it to bake another one. If I had more of these pans, I'd bake a lot more of them. And I de- I've debated whether to do, it to do like Sicilian Saturday, like strictly that. And I just bang out 20 of these a night. Um, because right now this one, I said, this one's sold out through the middle to end of January so far. Um, but the other thing is, is like, I don't know if you offer a good thing too often, then it doesn't be, isn't it special, but I say, Hey, there's only two here for a night. Um, it's also a lot to juggle this with baking round pies because people order this like, Oh, can I get four rounds too? And I'm like, Oh, okay. Put that in the oven. I got to remember, I got to rotate it at a certain point, mm. pop it out, cool it off, pop it out of the pan, cut it, prep it. Cause you know, it gets dressed up too but it's just a lot to make sure that that pie is done the way that I want it to. And I definitely have nights where I'm like, Oh, this needed three more minutes to get a little bit more crispy because or crunchy because it's huge. It's like today's a humid day. So I know that I'm going to increase my bake time by a few, like probably three minutes. Um, because I need to, it's just, it's going to be, it's wetter today. So, but this is what I call really good dough. <laughs> and I mean, okay. So hey, let's, hold on, let me tell you about the dough. The way that I came up with my recipes is that literally Roberto from Casse was like, well, Scott was like, Hey, Roberto, you have any flour you can give Miriam? Roberto's like, yeah, we got a bag of flour. We're not using it's Americana. So he's like driving to Manhattan and go get the flour. Okay. So Roberto hands me just like, like plastic bags of flour in a dough tray. And I'm like, this doesn't look shady at all. <laughs> so I come back to Brooklyn and my, the, my landlord's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I know this, this looks really bad. Like I look like I might be the D the, what is it? The, uh, DEA might be coming after me. And I was like, no, it's flour. But Roberto just gave me Americana. And I'm like, what am I going to do with the Americana? Like I had to learn a lot about that flour. And then I developed a recipe for my round pies, but then discovered that this was a phenomenal flour for Sicilian pizza. I think people are really shocked that I'm using Caputo Americana for my Sicilian pizza, but it works. It works really well. And then just playing with different formulas and, you know, techniques of dimpling it out and baking it and the ingredients I use. So, but yeah, you know, talk about dough and flour. Literally, I was just using what people had. So like I was using King Arthur flour because that's what I could find in the grocery store. And, and then I was able to finally get, you know, I can now I can get a 55 pound bag of that, which is amazing. I think you made a solid point with the Sicilian about both uh, just prep and having that limited quantity. And I'll say this first, there's a group of guys that I talked to, Ranch uh, PDX in Portland, and they said they were doing yeah. Sicilians at first, uh, uh, some you know pan pies at first. And then when they got to the restaurant and the brick and mortar, it was just imaginably hard to scale. There is a lot of scrubbing, the cheese gets stuck, and then you got to proof it in the pans and you can only have so many pans on hand. So yeah. That's, that's such a great point. And then also the limited quantity. Seriously, you are like, baking this desired pie uh and it's like it's so limited that nobody can get it and i, I love yeah. where you're going with that <laughs> well like you know the other crazy thing with that is that each of those pies comes with this michael jordan card hold on let me grab one really fast so i went on ebay uh-huh. and i bought these valentines they're from 1990 <laughs> <laughs> it was more expensive to print it but i was like there are tons of these and I bought them up and then I'm like every single, cause it's called the Michael Jordan pie. Yeah. So everyone gets a little note on the back of this 
and that's their keepsake. And I'll be like, by the way, I just gave you like a, a like a vintage 30 year old Valentine from Michael Jordan. They're all like, what? Why would you give that away? And I'm like, you know, it just makes the pie a little more special. So, um, but everyone gets one of these and they're like, it's so crazy. You're giving that away for free. And I'm like, you're going to remember the pizza. You're going to have a cool bookmark if you still read a physical book. Um, but you know, it's just like one thing to add special. And I was like, maybe this will go viral. Maybe it won't. And then I realized I didn't care if it went viral. I just love doing it. I love it. Um, the episode that is going to air before yours, he gives away lemon heads with each pizza. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it just stands out. Now, I guess my question for you is, oh. The- I give away stickers, and I'm getting these printed of my own pizzas. But yeah, I do the stickers. Sweet. So how many how many Michael Jordan cards do you have left? <laughs> I need to restock them soon. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to go on eBay and buy the rest of them. Um, just because, like, yeah, I have, like, these are the teacher cards, because uh-huh. a lot of the student ones are gone, but this is the teacher card. Because you remember, like... Uh-huh. When you're in elementary school, you give away Valentine's. This is the teacher card. Um, but I've gone through a lot more than I thought I ever would. Like, I didn't think it was going to be like this. So, um, but you can see how this is a very tall and skinny. Well, the reason why it's called Michael Jordan is it takes 23 hours to bake. It's 23 inches in total dimension. It's a red top for the bulls. Um, so I was like, and I was watching the documentary when it came out and I came with the idea of this pizza and this was a pan I was just playing with. I'm like, oh, this is a weird pan. I can't even fit it in my oven. It has to actually go at a diagonal. <laughs> I love that. Are you talking about the last dance? It all just... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was watching that during the pandemic too. That's so cool. What What is the dimension? I can't... Like, it looked rectangular-ish. It's, oh, no, it's long. So it's normal, 18 inches uh-huh. by four inches. Oh, my god! And then it's about an it's about inch and a half deep. Uh-huh. So, and this only, this doesn't bake all the way to the top. Right. So I do par bake it, but yeah. And why is it a double crust or how is it a double crust? So because of the thickness of the pan, because it's so narrow, Mm -hmm. each side gets completely encased in cheddar cheese. So when I cut it into individual squares, um, each square has a crust on each end. So no one gets that middle Sicilian piece that has no like good gripping handle to it. Um, and then I say that the end pieces are like the Holy Trinity. Cause you get three edges of this caramelized cheddar cheese crust. That's burnt a little bit. Got yeah. It. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Very, very, I just believe in like equality for everyone that's eating a square that everyone deserves to have this caramelized cheddar crust, which is basically, so this is like a New York style Sicilian pizza with the Detroit edge. So I was like, this is my favorite thing about Detroit pizza. Let me stick it in this pan and just make the best tasting Sicilian pizza I can. Love it. I love the creativity that you put into it. It's like, you're, you're just on, I can tell you're an art director. You like put a lot of thought into this. That's very cool. (laughs) We were in a pandemic. I was on lockdown. What else was I going to do with my spare time? Just bake pizza and event stuff. (laughs) And it just happened that the last dance came out during the pandemic and it just clicked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very cool. Um, so going back to the reason why I fell in love with your story so much, and and that's the fact that you give. And I, I want to know, like, are people, are people donating? Are people giving back, helping you give back? Is this coming out of your pocket at the end of the day? Like, what does it look like on the financial side? Because I want to know, is this going to be sustainable for you? 
So most people, when they buy pizza or when they donate for the pizza, they generally, uh, a lot of people will pay a pie forward or they'll give a little extra to pay a pie forward because my overhead costs are so minimal. That means my overall cost of goods is minimal. Um, so am I able to cover all the costs? Absolutely. Is it something that would be sustainable opening up a brick and mortar? Yes. Um, because what I'm doing is that when I, even when I open a brick and mortar, I will stick to the policy of like, you can pay a pie forward. And a lot of people do it. I have people that will donate just to pay pies forward. So, um, I had somebody last week that donated, um, you know, a bunch of, they donated like a hundred bucks. So I took that hundred dollars and I baked up a hundred dollars worth of pizza and took it out to local business. So I'll look at people who are not making a lot of money, like minimum wage workers. So I'll go like Dunkin' Donuts, for example, I take them pizza every week. I'm like, you're putting up with us people are not kind to you right now. Here's a reason to smile. So it's great. I get free coffee because they're so happy. And I'm like, and they know me as the pizza girl. Um, but also like all the UPS drivers, I feed them once a week. There's a couple of them on this block. Uh, my running store up the street, I go and take them pizza once a month, just because again, they're working for they, these guys make minimum wage. And I'm like, let me give you a really good free meal. And it's one less thing. And I'll have people that'll inquire about pizza and they'll say, I'll, you know, I always ask them, are you unemployed or are you a first responder? And if they're unemployed, they'll say, I'm unemployed, but I'm getting unemployment. I go, no, no, no. You need to keep every dime you're getting because we do not know where the economy is going. I'm going to give you two pizzas at least. So that way they have one meal for that night. And then I'll give them a second pizza so that they're able to uh, have a second meal when they go back home. And, you know, and then I tell people and they're like, what can I donate? The first thing I'll say is like, can you just let people know in New York city who may not have a job or who might be working as a first responder that they can come get some free pizza. Um, and that's what those donations cover. So it's as though I'm, you know, it's as if someone's ordering a regular pizza and donating for it, but it's just a stranger that's donating for them. And the other thing is I encourage people to also support local pizzerias and in the business plan I'm putting together for my own brick and mortar is I'm building in, you know, a community aspect where the pay it pie, paying pies forward can go into me taking that money, investing it in other local pizzerias so that they can bake pizza and donate it to food banks and other things that'll help just support the community because the pizzerias are taking such a hard hit here in New York City. So, and, but yeah, I mean, so I would say right now, 30% of the pizza that I'm baking a week is going out and it's being donated to people, but people are paying pies forward. So, Yes. And I've gotten that a lot. Yes, it is definitely sustainable. It's all about just spreading the word and encouraging people to be generous when they can. It's a, it's an ecosystem that you're building. You're, you're basically the bridge. Yeah. When you first started off, did it feel weird? Customers give me a weird look like, why is she bringing in pizza? Um, but the first time I did it, I was like, the, the woman was like, okay. And then I brought it to her. And the next time she's like, that was the best pizza I've ever had. And then I'm like, well, do you want a different style? Like there's New York cheese pizza, which is six cheeses. There's margarita pizza, which is two. And what she settled on what one point was the cheesy garlic pizza that is a pub pie. So it's cut into little tiny squares and it gets dipped in a sauce. Um, so, and then it's just like, and then they'd be like, well, what day are you going to bring it? Because I'm working with so-and-so and so-and-so wants pizza. And I'm like, I'll bring you four pizzas. I don't care. Like whatever makes you guys happy. But to see the difference it makes with even the people that are in like a Dunkin' Donuts and like to know that that makes their like it's something they look forward to each week um, after everything they go through. But 
Yeah. I mean, like the butcher shop that get orders my pizza supplies, I'll walk in there once a week. They either get a full sheet of Sicilian or they get six round pies, but I walk in with a stack and customers are always like, what is she doing? And all the guys are like, yes, the pizza's here. (laughs) You must make so many people happy because everyone's been in that environment where it's like they're hungry and they're waiting for food and the pizza finally arrives, but not only did it arrive, but it's delicious and it's donated. Yeah. And I tell them again, just like spreading the word, letting people know that they can too, they can also, you know, let people know that there's this pizza available to them. Um, and I've only had one person try to take advantage of the system in the entire time I've been doing it. Um, and the person's like, so I'll get four pies once a week. And I go, wait, that's not how this works. Um, but aside from that, like, I don't question. I'm like, are you really unemployed? It's just, I trust it. And if there's somebody that's that hard up for a free pizza and they're going to like say, say that they don't have a job just to get, I'm like more power to you because something else is going to bite you probably if you're going to lie about free pizza. But you know, generally speaking, you know, especially right now, a lot of people are very honest and very thankful. I had a couple that was evicted from their apartment and I baked four pizzas for them. And she was like, I don't have any money, but here's a really expensive, like moisturizer for your face, which my sister's like, she gave you what? And I'm like, I don't even know what it is. I still can't even tell you what it is. I gave it to my sister, but I was like, she was just grateful for the pizza. And then like the handwritten notes that they gave me just to express it, like, you made this, you made this week so much better for us by giving us one night where we didn't have to like be stressed out. And it makes a big difference. That's why I'm like, it's not just somebody who is unemployed or first responder, but it's all those people that are just struggling right now in some way, just to give them some reason to smile. Wow. Do you find that it's hard for people to speak up and ask for free food? Yeah, I have to ask them, are you unemployed? Uh, or are you a, for, I have to ask them if, you know, if they like free pizza. And I, and I ask every single person that comes in the order, you know, are, do you qualify for any of these things? Okay. And you'll have people that are like, Oh no, I'm thankfully employed. I'd like to donate everything I can and also pay a pie forward. Mm. Um, but yeah, I make a point to whenever people are donating to pay a pie forward that those pies get paid forward in some way in order to feed people. I've the grocery store that key foods where I used to get the, on the Galbani and the polio that was, it would go on sale, like normally like six 99, it would be like two fifty. So I wound up baking pizza for them and they let me exceed the four cheese limit for the sale. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you guys are stuck here in the middle of COVID. You definitely don't want to be at work. At the very least I could do is bring you free pizzas. So, but yeah, I mean, you, you, you find you to be inventive with ways to give back um, and now I'm like the pizza girl in this neighborhood, <laughs> but I want to do like, I'm going to introduce a thing for kids. Like, so when I was a kid, I did this thing called book it where with scholastic and pizza teamed up, mm-hmm. this is like before all social media and all the like influencers were around, but they're like, for, you know, you read X amount of books, you get a free pan pizza. And my parents were like, how are you getting a free pizza every single week? I was very motivated by pizza and this is the eighties. So pizza was still really good. At least I thought it was in Ohio. But um, so I'm introducing a thing where kids, if they do like five good deeds for their parents, they'll get a free pizza for me. But I figure this is a way to give back to the parents and to encourage kids to make life easier because right now it's really hard for these parents who are constantly having to like deal with the schools being shut down. And 
you have a couple of kids at home and you're trying to work a job, like work a full-time job, it's not easy. So it's just like one more way to just to give back to the community with pizza. All of this, you know, working with Polly G, learning from your mom, it's, it's, and, and then also working with Scott Wiener because he also does slice out hunger too, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's developing you in touch into such a giving person, such an awesome giving person. I'm so impressed. You have such a, a big heart. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's, you know, Scott's been a, a great mentor along the way. And, you know, as fate would have it, like, I, I don't know if you, you watch the Munchies after but my mom in the middle of all of this passed away from COVID. Um, and Scott actually, <laughs> the pizza versus pandemic, like he didn't know that my mom was sick. Cause I was very private about it. And he wound up like we were sending cookies and cupcakes and everything we could to the hospital staff every day while my mom was being taken care of to take care of them. And then Scott wound up sending pizza. So it's, it's amazing how all goes full circle. Um, and I was like, can we get this pizzeria by chance? Cause this is a better pizzeria in that area. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like, he's, he's really inspired me to, you know, and, and help me see ways to give back within the pizza community. And my mother is the one who's really inspired me just to give back in any way I can. Like she was a woman who used to give away 200 bottles of honey on Rosh Hashanah to make sure everyone around her had a sweet new year. And I guess I'm doing that with pizza. I say that every pizza I bake is like a beat on my mother's heart. So it's how she's still here with me, even though she never got to try my pizza, she definitely would have approved. So, and every pizza has one special thing on there. Is that right? Yeah. Every inside of every box, it says for mom. So if people know my story, they know why it's there. It's that much more touching for them. So if not, they are probably curious and they'll go and they'll learn about it. And it's just, you know, it's, they, I get a lot of notes back from people to say like, that's, it really is something special. So I think that when people say, Oh, where is the best pizza in New York? I'm like, well, one, I don't answer it because B word, but like favorite. And I'm like, there's a lot that goes into good pizza. It's not just using the best ingredients. I think it's the person baking it. Every person makes a different pizza and the experience, like what is the story behind that pizzeria and the pizza you're eating? I think that's part of what makes pizza so great. I mean, for me, my, my earliest memory of pizza was a microwave pizza out of a box that had a little like silver top. And it only recently did I was like at, at a bowling alley in Brooklyn and my friends ordered pizza and I was like, oh, you can't do bowling alley pizza. But I took a bite. And I called Scott Wiener right after. I was like, I found microwave pizza from 1984. <laughs> it's a frozen pizza from Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my earliest memory of pizza. And it was just such a like a just a magical moment. But I think with pizza, you know, a lot of people grasp onto like the memories that you create around it. So like when you talk about like people talk about Defar a lot and I'm like, what makes Defar so great is the experience of getting it. It's not necessarily it always being the best pizza because everyone likes different things about pizza. Um, you know, people have different preferences based on where you're from. So like literally you, you, you'd be a pizza match and matchmaker with it and be like, where are you from? Okay. This is what you're going to like. Um, but I think that's one of the things with pizza. So for me, I, I love it when I get to feed kids because I'm like, oh, you're setting that bar really high. Don't ever give your kids bagel bites. It's just not going to fly with them. I, I still like bagel bite. bites for the record. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm a pizza rolls kid. Um, but actually, I'm a French bread Costco pizza kid. I, I never really liked the bagel bites. But the French bread pizza that I ate 
did have like this silver tray that you'd microwave it in. Oh yeah. 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 And they tell you not to put metal in a microwave yet. You're like, but I don't understand. This is why you confuse. This is why kids are confused. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so I, some guy, some guy in a Whitestone, New York is like, can I donate a bunch of my jumbo bagels to you? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we could do a pizza bagel collab. I'm like, Oh, that sounds really cool. It's like bagels that are like this big. And I'm like, that would be so much fun to give to a family. But I'm like, I got to test it out and see how this works because if it gets hard, then it, forget about it. But like even at Pauly G's, he, uh, he's got the Edith's pop-up, bagel pop-up. And before they were doing it, I was actually, you know, experimenting with the bagels while they were baking them there and making pizza bagels there. <laughs> and now they offer the pizza bagel at that pop-up. But I'm like, before that, like, uh, let me tell you what flavor bagel I think works best for pizza bagels. I was like, I grew up in Ohio and we ate lots of Maccabee pizza bagels because that's what we had at the pool the snack bar as a kid. But, uh, but yeah, so like this guy's like, let's do a pizza bagel collab. And I'm like, okay, sounds fun. Let me take the money and donate it to a charity. It'd be great. How many more people started ordering pizza after the munchies episode? I had a couple hundred DMS in my inbox that were filtered and it took me about a week to get through all those. Oh so gosh. it sold out December. I've got a lot of pizzas ordered for January already and people ordering into February. It increased it quite a bit, but I think a lot, you also had like a good deal of people just sending messages saying, thank you for doing something good right now and just being an inspiration. I've had a handful of people say that they want to do what I'm doing, which is just to like find a way to help people out. And I think above all, that is the absolute most rewarding part of this whole experience. It's just encouraging people to be kind and, and do good for others. What do you think is the next step then? I know you said you had talks about a brick and mortar. Um, do you have a timeline for that? Do you, you're working on a business plan? What's going on in your mind? Yeah. So right now, uh, my plan is, uh, a lot of businesses here in Brooklyn are folding and closing down just because it hasn't been sustainable with the high rents. Um, so there's a lot of real estate that's currently available. Um, I'm putting, you know, I've got a, a business plan that's already in place and I'm just working on structuring it a bit more. Uh, there's a grant that I'm trying to win that would give me funding in order to open up a pizzeria and continue my, my contributions to the community. Um, so right now that I'm looking to find a space that I can, um, do just a walk up window. And then I know a couple other people that do a kind of have a business like I do out of the home, like baking macaroons and making ice cream. They're looking for a brick and mortar space just to produce their goods. So I would basically, you know, find a space that's got a kitchen outfitted further in order to accommodate other, you know, people making food and ice cream, whatnot. But then uh, whatever unused capacity I'd have, they would come in and use the space and help me pay the rent. So literally looking for a crawl space. Um, I've already like, I've already figured out what oven I want to use in that space and, and making you know, I was supposed to go out this week to play with, you know, to get to know Pizza Master Oven a little bit more, but I'm going to wait till January uh, just because COVID is spiking. Um, but I'm going to take my time to get to know the oven, figure out how I can transition from my home into an industrial oven with Sicilian and round pies, and then open a takeout spot. And my goal will be to do four or five nights a week doing a limited run of like 50 to 75 pies, first come, first serve. Um, still do, you know, off nights doing things for the community and donating pizza, creating programming, um, and just, you know, finding unique ways to, 
to bring good and be, bring kindness to the community. Um, but, you know, if I'm renting out that space and those people are able to also provide their goods for pickup only, that helps to cover the overhead and enables me to do smaller runs of pizza. Because right now everything's hand mixed um, and small batch. I literally have a Sun Mix 10. I have a, a Sun 10 mixer in front of me that somebody loaned to me. He's like, you need to learn how to use a mixer. And I'm like, I will in due time. Um, so I have a lot of like, I have, I have some, some steps to go still. And, you know, you know, I've got some people mentoring me, but that's my plan. And hopefully, you know, six to 12 months, but is it, I was listening to your podcast with, um, Laura Meyer and she said something that was like, really like struck a chord with me. And it's just like, you know, that she isn't rushing to open a pizzeria when she's not ready. And I think like it, it had a really big impact on what she, you know, what she said had an impact with me because I think she's hundred percent right. So I need to make sure I'm in a good place that I can do that before I do that. And um, if I'm not yet there, then, you know, I've got a couple different businesses that are coffee shops that have offered me their space. And, you know, if I install an oven in there, I can use, you know, use their space when they're closed at night and help them pay rent and just increase their customer base. So, um, you know, it's just figuring out what's going to happen with the economy. I think that if, you know, they're going to, if they shut down the restaurants, the way that they say that's going to have a detrimental impact on us. And, you know, there will be more opportunity, sad, but the, it's the truth of the nature is like when you have a recession, the economy doesn't do well, that's where opportunity is, is, is hiding. So I'm going to try and take advantage of that however I can. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep donating pizzas to help people out and encourage people to support local pizzerias while we still can. You're a giver and financially smart. Wow. You've got it figured out. And I, I just love your story. Um, and I, I wish you the best of success in all of this. Is there anything you want to leave the audience with before we wrap up here? Well, first, thank you. And then with the audience, uh, remember when you're walking down the street, uh, be kind to others for the pizzeria owners and pizza enthusiasts that might be listening. Um, you know, I would challenge you and encourage you to find a way that you can give back to your communities to help people out that might be, you know, in a place where they need a little something extra. It would be great to introduce the whole pay a pie forward uh, because, you know, for the bigger places that do have all their logistics figured out and they've got, you know, the overhead isn't killing them with it, if they're able to give back a little bit. And I know that like, like Keste is another pizzeria here, Sauce is another where they were, you know, and they worked with Scott with pizzas versus pandemic to, to donate pizzas to help people out. I think that you know, if we remember to take care of our community, our communities will take care of us. So um, that's what I would say. And uh, and anyone else that likes to eat pizza, uh, you should always fold a slice, not use a knife and fork. <laughs> uh, such a great conversation with you, Miriam. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And looking forward to, you know, slicing it up with you another time. Likewise. Be good. All right. Have a great one. Pizza out. Miriam, thank you so, so much for blessing me with your time. I'm so amazed by your story, your ability to give, and what you've been able to accomplish so far. And I wish you the best of luck with your mission. And I can't wait to see where it takes you. To the audience. Come on. Come on. Seriously. Good one, right? Thank you so much for giving me and Miriam your time. I really appreciate you and I'm sure Miriam does too. So please make sure to give her a follow 
on Instagram. I'll make sure to link her Instagram in the show notes. And check out that Munchies video also in the show notes. Other than that, I hope y'all have a great day, great rest of your week, whenever you're listening to this. And I appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all for listening. Oh, by the way, the day this airs, uh, December 18th, it's my birthday. So if you haven't done so already, hit me up on IG, say what's up, say happy birthday. Happy belated birthday is good too. So I hope to hear from you. Take care. Peace.